The line that always gets me from this first reading, the book of Joshua, is, is this. On the same day after the Passover, on which they ate of the produce of the land, the manna ceased. The manna ceased. I was just thinking. Uh, so they were in the desert. We know this, that they're brought out of Egypt from slavery through the Passover. They celebrate the Passover from the Passover. The Lord brings them out of the desert. They get uh, into the desert and they complain that they don't have any food. And so the Lord provides this manna for them, which uh, we can can tend to think, you know, we call it bread from heaven. And we can think of it as bread from heaven. But but it's like the word manna means what is it? So, in other words, to them, they they didn't necessarily understand that it was food, except that the Lord told them that it was food. Uh, And so it's this like flaky stuff. And they didn't actually enjoy it. Uh, It's, it's, you know, it's amazing to think about, right? It's, it's miraculous food that appears on the ground every morning. So it's, it's miraculous. It's amazing. But it, it wasn't something that they really enjoyed. In fact, in the book of Numbers, chapter 21, they complain to Moses about it. They say, we have no water, we have no food, we're sick of this worthless food, uh, and, and what are you going to do about it? And so then from there, this is when the Lord sends serpents among them and bites them and, you know, whatever. But, but the, the point is, like, they didn't like the manna. They, they didn't enjoy it, as miraculous as, enough as it, as it was, right? It's like... The Lord provides this miraculous food and their response is to complain. But, but the point is like, they, they didn't enjoy it. And then they're in the desert for 40 years. Uh, and, and on top of that, that entire like first generation of Israelites, they all died off uh, before they could enter the promised land. So the people that enter into the promised land in th- this moment when they, they cross the Jordan River, uh, right before this scene, and now they're, they're finally entering in to take possession of the land the Lord promised to them. And this, this group of people, largely speaking, like almost all of them, all they knew was the manna. Like they didn't know any other food. All they knew was the manna. And so then you can imagine, they walk in and they get to do what? They ate the, well, first they had Passover, so they're saved from Egypt by the Passover. Then they leave the desert by the Passover. And from the Passover, the Lord gives them something new. And so you can try to imagine, you know, their first, their first bites of the produce of the land. Right? It says, in the form of unleavened cakes and parched grain. But, but we can know, like, so that's, that's their, their first bites, but we can know that they continue to to eat the, the produce of the land. They continued, you know, there's a lot of fig trees in the Holy Land, so they ate figs for the first time. Uh, they ate these other things. And so you can just imagine, like, as they're, like, sinking their teeth and letting their taste buds get a taste of something that's not this flaky substance. And it's just like, oh, man. This is amazing. And then the manna ceased. So I, I think... It's just something to, to try to imagine. So there's, there's two aspects of this, maybe more than two. But the, the two is that we can't lose sight that the manna was provided by God. We can't lose sight of that, 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 that what they had was miraculous. And, and in, some ways, in some ways, maybe we could even say it's too bad that they grew sick of it. 
right? It's, in some ways, it's too bad that they didn't wake up every morning and recognize, this is a miracle. Every day I keep waking up and there's this food on the ground. And I don't, like, I don't know how it happens, but there's food and this is amazing, okay? So, like, that's miraculous and amazing. At the same time, at the same time, to imagine the next step where they then get to eat food that to them seems like real food. And just what an amazing moment that is for them. And if, if they're, you know, if, if they're living up to their dignity as men and women made in the image and likeness of God, then maybe it, they spent some time reflecting on like how the Lord led them all the way from Egypt through the desert now to this place, the land that he had promised to Abraham. Hundreds of years fulfilled in that place at that time. And now they get to eat this food. Like, ah, this is amazing. They finally reached the place that their hearts were longing for, for decades in the desert. And when they reach the place that their hearts were longing for, they get to eat of the food that satisfies. That's just like an amazing moment. And I think, I think that there's, there's something of this in, in the, the prodigal son in this story, right? This, this, this son who's, who's living with his father and his brother and, and his father provides for him, right? So, there's, there's maybe a, a parallel we could say. Maybe it's not a perfect parallel, but, but we can try to work it out, right? His father is providing for him. And in his father's providence, what happens? He grows tired of what his father is providing. And so he goes to his father and he demands. And he doesn't just demand, but then he, when he receives, when his father, for some reason, grants the demand, then he removes himself from the family. He, he just completely separates himself from the family as though to say, I don't even want to be a part of this family anymore. I just want what you can give me. And then he goes and he lives a life of dissipation and he runs out because when you separate yourself from the family, you just run out. It becomes unsatisfactory. And so then what happens? He has to hire himself out to someone who keeps swine, which for the Israelite people was a grave violation of the law to be in the presence of swine, of unclean food. So this guy is like at his lowest point. He wants the food that the pigs are eating. Right? Like he just at this point. So you can imagine just like the Israelites in the desert, right? They had been provided so much by God. They had been provided miraculously by God, their father, we could say. And yet they grew tired of it. And so they began to grumble and complain. So too, the prodigal son, he had been provided by his father generously, and yet he grew tired of it, so he began to complain. The generation that began to complain, they didn't end up getting, into, getting to enter into the promised land. It was only the next generation that did. This son, right, if he had stayed where he was, 
he wouldn't have gotten to go back to his father's house to taste the good food that his father could provide. But this is maybe where the story changes, that Jesus comes to do something new, and that something new is that he wants to bring people back into the family of God, that he, through his mercy and his grace, he wants to reconcile people to the Father. Whereas in the Old Testament, the Lord's justice runs through and and the people who refused to move, it's not even necessarily that the Lord was punishing them, it's that they were refusing to move. Here, the Lord's mercy actually moves him back so that he could return to his father's house. And then you can imagine, right? He, He was previously longing to eat pig's food. And he comes back expecting hoping for a slave's welcome. But instead, his father welcomes him back by doing what? By killing the choicest animal, the fattened calf. And so you can just imagine, right, that son, when he takes that first bite of his father's precious food, this sort of like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is so amazing. My father is so good. I don't deserve this. So this is what I'm thinking about. Our second reading. St. Paul says, Whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. This, This is the thing. We see this all throughout Scripture. That the Lord provides for his people, and they receive it at first, and then they grumble. And then he provides something new, and they receive it at first, and then they grumble. And then he provides something new, and they receive it at first, and then they grumble. And then finally, as like a last-ditch effort to just get them to remember his grace, he provides not just something new, but he provides his very self. And in providing his very self, he provides food. And it's food that we can receive every week. And for a lot of us, Sometimes, sometimes for all of us, this food can seem like it's just old news. For some of us, all the time. For, for some of us, some of the time. For, for all of us, at least some of the time, it seems like we can come to Mass and it can be like, yeah, this is just ordinary food and, and we can forget that it's miraculous. We can forget that this is food from heaven. And so we demand the Lord to do something more. We demand him to do more and more and more for us. And there's an aspect of that, that the Lord actually wants to do something more for us, that he wants to provide something more for us. But that providence of his, we can't fully receive it until we enter into the promised land. And when we get to the promised land, that is heaven, then we can just imagine how amazing it's going to be. Can just imagine getting there and receiving and just thinking like, oh my gosh, my father is so good. But but we can't we can't enter into the promised land unless we first remember the incredible generosity of our father here. We can't enter into the promised land unless we first recognize the amazing gift that he's already provided. And for us, 
whenever we forget that, and maybe we grumble or we, we rebel against God, whatever it is, whether, like I said, for some of us, that's maybe like a constant, regular thing. But for all of us, it's at least an occasional thing. And when we're in that place, we could say, maybe when we're in the place where the swine are feeding and we're watching them and longing for something better, then there's no better place for us to go than to confession. To say, I will get up and I will reconcile with my Father so that I can return to His table here below which will lead me to his great feast in heaven, the wedding feast of the Lamb of God. I saw the, 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 the big message this week. The big message is ultimately like, it's the message that, that maybe, maybe we can just too easily forget. And this is, like I said, the case for all of us that at times we can just too easily forget the generosity of our Father in heaven who provides miraculous food from heaven. And even when we lose sight of the miraculous nature of it, he provides miraculous reconciliation for us in the other great sacrament of reconciliation. So I just maybe, maybe would invite you and invite myself to spend some time just reflecting on the incredible generosity of God and maybe even to reflect on the question of how is it that he wants to be generous to me how is it that he wants to be generous to you? Maybe it's by making you new through the sacrament of reconciliation. Maybe it's by making you new, by opening your eyes to seeing the miraculous nature of the food that we get to partake of. Maybe it's by making you new through your daily life of prayer and reading the word of God, letting his word come alive to you. Maybe it's some other way that he wants to make you a new creation so that in Christ you can receive the fullness of his generosity and the fullness of his love preparing you to enter into the land that he has promised, not just to Abraham, but to Abraham and everyone that has come after.